Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. When we left off, I really stressed and I emphasized verse number 12 in Philippians chapter 1. In verse number 12, it says this, But I would, or I wish, that ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out or have happened uh, rather unto the, the furtherance of the gospel. And if we were to go back just a few weeks ago, I, I really stressed that Paul here, we, we know, most of you know, that Paul was in prison in Rome as he was writing this book and Paul was not in the best of circumstances or the best of situations but he was in prison and he's writing this this book he's writing a, a letter to the church at Philippi and and he makes reference in verse number 12 just that thing I want you to understand I want you to know church that regardless of all the things that have happened to me it's happened for one reason and one reason only for the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ And that's where Paul is writing. And so we left last week, or last week, the last sermon we left, and it was the advancement of the kingdom was the the title then. And so we're doing that, advance the kingdom. And, And I stated that for one purpose and one purpose only. He had but one goal in his life. Paul had one goal, one reason, one purpose, one meaning to be on earth after Christ radically transformed his life in Acts chapter 9 and, and he had that uh, experience that Paul, that God gave to Paul was that he would preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in all things that he would do would preach and to further the kingdom of God regardless of what would take place in his life. As most of us know, and I'm not going to go through all of Paul's life, but Paul was in and out of prison. Paul was, uh, they attempted to stone him to death. He had a a time where he was uh, shipwrecked on sea. There was a number of different things where Paul had gone through a number of things in life that we would say were bad circumstances, maybe enough to make us quit. But Paul continued, and in verse number 12 he said, that no matter what, I want you to know, and I want you to understand that if, 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 if things turn bad and I am, I am to be, if I die where I'm in, in this prison, it's for the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul is letting the church there know. And so today we're going to pick up in verse number 19. And Paul is again in prison, not knowing if he will live or if he will die, not knowing what the, the end of his life would look like or, or what would take place at this point. The last time, again, we looked at him being in prison, there was a lot of affliction, there was a, a lot of things that had taken place, he had been lied about, there were, there were preachers of the gospel of Jesus Christ who he made reference that they weren't false teachers, they weren't men that were spreading heresy or false pre- pretenses or false doctrines or any of those things, they just, they didn't like Paul, they didn't like how he was doing it, they was just like we have today, we have churches that are in competition with one another and I don't like the fact that you do this or you don't do this or those things and sadly but true, it was taking place in Paul's day and 2015 it takes place today. These aren't people that were teaching a doctrine that wasn't, was different than Paul but they didn't like the way that Paul was doing things and they were speaking poorly of him and so we, we spoke of that the last time that we were together. This morning... 
we're going to get into this and we can, I'll go back and I'll ask a couple of the questions that I asked the last time we were on this is, what is your ultimate purpose? What is it that drives you? What is our desire to advance the kingdom? You know, there's a lot of things in our lives that are good things that drive us. I, I, I work hard and I've always worked hard because that was what my, my dad taught me to do. He told me and showed me how to work hard and gave me a worth that work ethic to work and to provide for my family. And I am doing all that I can to provide for my wife and my four children. But the bottom line is, the reality is, even Jesus said, hey, let the dead bury the dead, he said at one point. He said that there could be a time when the mothers and fathers and we, we hate one another and there's a dissension because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. My purpose in life is not to be just a good father, though that is a great thing for me to strive to be. My, my purpose in life isn't to have the best family in all the world, though that's a great thing for us to do. Our purpose in life has got to be that of Jesus Christ and the furtherance of the kingdom of God. Because if I live every day only for that woman that sits right there and not for him, that's not what we've been put here for. I love her. I love my family. I'm going to do everything that I can to provide for my family. But the reality of it is, I'm to love Christ. I'm to do my part to further his kingdom. And Paul made it very clear, regardless of what takes place, so long as the kingdom of God is advanced. And I think oftentimes we... We, we put good things in place of, of God. And, and let me just tell you this. And I don't think I need to, to tell you this. I think you know this. But if you put God first, the family takes care of itself. When I put God number one and the kingdom of God is the first priority of my life, my wife, the relationship there, works itself out. Being a good dad works itself out. Being a great husband works itself out. Being a great employee works itself out. All of those things that God has for us works itself out when we put God the first in the priority of our list. And so Paul, having done that, comes to verse number 19, and he almost, I, I, I almost read this, and I almost wonder in the back of my mind if Paul was having like a moment and we'll get to it in just a moment, but, but he starts to, he goes from where he was and, and for the kingdom of God, and I'm going to strive forward, and I'm going to push on, and it's regardless of what takes place. And then he comes to this passage right here where we're going to read today, and he, he kind of goes, well, whether it's in life or in death, I don't know what they're going to do with me, and I don't know, and, and again, it's just me just kind of reading through it, but I don't know if Paul had a, a little out-of-body experience where he's like, oh no, I could die. I don't know if that was his circumstance at all. I don't think it is so much, but when you read this, he goes from, it doesn't matter what's going to take place, and then he kind of lets the, lays it out there. Hey, this could take place. I could, in life or in death, God's word's going to go forth. Hey, and and regardless, and then he goes to that almost like a question of what's going to happen. Then he comes back to and he goes, hey, 
but I believe that God's going to keep me here and we're going to move forward. (laughs) So I don't know if there was a moment there that Paul had, but nonetheless, why don't you go with me to Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 19, and we're going to dive into a few verses this morning. Philippians 1 verse 19, it should be on the screens. Um, It says this, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I wot not. For I am in in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. Verse 26, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the, in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which he saw in me, and now here to be in me. Let's pray this morning. Father, I thank you for the day that you've given to us. Lord, I thank you for a passage of scripture where we can see Paul. Lord, I think so many times we look at scripture, we look at so many different places of of these men, and we, we think of them as different than they were, just human beings. And God, yet we look here this morning, and we'll see that Paul was confused. He was, he was up in the air. He wanted to be with you, but he wanted to stay, and he didn't know what would take place with his life, but yet he was ready to go. He was ready to stay. And God, it's just, I pray that you would use your word this morning to, to speak into our lives, speak truth to us. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. So this morning, for the next few minutes, we're going to take, kind of dissect this passage of Scripture from 19 to verse number 30. We're going to go into a number of different things, and I'm going to challenge you uh, at the end, the last points will kind of come together to challenge us as to where we're going to take this and what this is going to mean for each of us um, but as we go, and just right before I get into the first point, we, we, we come to a place where Paul was a little bit unsure, but yet Paul had a confidence that was like unlike anything else. He was so confident in the Lord that he was able to, to keep on going. We know that Paul had one goal. We know that he had one purpose. Let me ask this question. You can keep this in the back of your mind throughout this sermon this morning, but... Do you think if you had that as a part of your life's life's objection that you could face trial, that you could face tribulation differently than you do today? If you had Christ 
If you had God, if your one main purpose, if the only focus of your life was to the advancement of the kingdom of God, to further God's kingdom, what would that, how would that outlook affect your life? How would that affect the trial that you sit in today? How would that affect the tribulation that you're going through? Where does that take you and how does that affect you? And so this morning with with some of that, I guess, on the the back of your mind as we go through some of these thoughts, I'm going to go to the first point this morning, and it's in spite of death. There was the advancement of the kingdom. The, the, The mind frame that Paul had was in spite of death. And if we look at this passage again in verse number 19, it says, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation. That's, that word is that um, there's a deliverance there that, 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 that Paul, I'm, I'm a the, the, the stuttering mess here. For I know that this shall turn to my deliverance or for my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Or of Christ, Jesus Christ. And so as we look here, in spite of the possibility of death, Paul was, was coming to the end of his time in prison there in Rome. He's coming to a place where, where basically there's, he could be let go. They could come to him and they could say, okay, Paul, you've spent your time here and it's now time that you are sent and let go. They could also look at him and say, hey, we're going to give you a few more years. They could look at him and say, you know what? Execution is the next state of your life. You have no more. Your life ends here. He did not know what was going to happen. He didn't know where the next state of his life was going to go. He didn't know if there was going to be another phase of his ministry. He did not know. But he comes to this place and for I know this. That there will be a deliverance. There will be the, that he was turned to his salvation or to the deliverance through a number of different things. And so in spite of death, in spite of what was in front of him, what was facing him every single day of his life and where he was coming at this stage of life, there's a few things in this passage that he says. In spite of that, he knows first of all that he had a confidence in the deliverance that could have and was going to take place. Paul was confident says that this shall turn to my salvation or my deliverance. Paul knew and trusted that God had a plan to deliver him. If we were to go back to the Old Testament and a passage of Scripture, or not a passage, but an entire book of Scripture that was very much a, a man that was going through trial and tribulation like nobody had ever gone before, the book of Job, chapter number 13 and verse 16, he says something very similar that Paul said. And he said this in verse, or Job 13 and 16, that, that he also shall be my salvation. He was talking, Job was speaking, that, that God would be his deliverance. That word salvation in, in both of these passages is the same, that deliverance. Job understood it, stood it just as Paul understood it. Paul knew and believed that God would deliver him from the present trial and circumstance. Paul in Romans, a a verse that I think is very well misspoken oftentimes, but in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 28, Paul wrote, 
that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. Have you ever been in a spot in your life where you've said something in the past or you had, maybe you had counseled somebody or encouraged somebody in a time of loss or whatever it would be and then to the same thing that you've told them kind of came all the way back to you and now it's like, oh, I should probably be taking note of the same things that I've told anybody. I get to counsel people often and it comes back around sometimes where I'm like, ah, I said that just a week ago or two weeks ago or a month ago and I should probably take heed to my own words. Paul was in a situation at this right now. Paul in Rome, he wrote the letter and he said, hey, all things will work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. Now in Philippians, Paul is in jail. He's writing a letter back to them. And he's kind of in this spot here in in verse number 19. Hey, I I know, I believe, I have confidence that you, God, are going to deliver me. And this passage of scripture kind of comes full circle for Paul. I could imagine that, hey, God, uh, I know that all things, God, I, I love you. God, you've called me. And God, in that, I know that all the things that you've put me through are going to come to pass. I know all of those things. Even if we go back to verse number 12, what did he say? I understand that all of these things, listen church, all of these things have taken place to me. And I know it hurts, and I know we we cry, and I know we don't like it, and I know there's imprisonment, and we're separated, and there's all these things. But please know that all of this, regardless, is going to be for the furtherance of his kingdom. And we come to 19 again, and he kind of reiterates But he states that all of this will be for the deliverance. If we continue to go in Job, even it says something similar again. But for I know that my Redeemer liveth, Job 19, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. Paul is making reference here. Hey, I know God lives. We celebrated Christ's resurrection last week, right, with Easter. And people come to church and we celebrate and it's a woo. And we come today and it's like, hey, we're back at church again. I don't know what that, I don't understand that. All I don't fully grasp that. The resurrection happened and we celebrated last week, but it's a, as a Christian we can celebrate every day. But nonetheless, Paul is, or Job in this day is, he says that my Redeemer liveth and he will stand at the, the end of, And though there'll be a day that my skin and the worms will destroy me, he says, yet in my flesh shall I see God. Paul is having confidence that in life or in death, he will be delivered. Paul knew that. And he goes on and he says not only that he believes that he would be delivered, but why would he be delivered? He had confidence in the prayers of those that were praying for him. If we were to go through, and I'm going to go through some of this, but we could go book after book after book that Paul had written where he had challenged those people to continue to pray for Paul and, hey, pray for me as I go on this journey. Pray for me as I go on this journey. Pray for the church. Pray for this. And he, over and over throughout Paul's ministry. But he makes reference to being delivered because of the prayers of his people. God's plan includes the prayers of his people. Can I say this to you this morning? God will build his church and God will grow his church. But God will do that 
A lot of it because of us and our prayers and our faithfulness to him. Let me ask you, how often do you pray for your church? And I don't say this out of arrogance because I'm the pastor, but how often do you pray for your pastor? How often do you pray for the leadership? How often do you pray? Paul was confident, and he makes reference specifically I know that this shall turn to my salvation or my deliverance. And it says, through what? Through your prayer. He knew it because he could feel and he knew the prayer of those in the church. James 5.16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Not only did Paul pray diligently, he also relied on the prayers of others for the ministry that he was involved. Romans 15 and verse number 30, Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit that ye strive together with me in what? Your prayers to God for me. While in prison, he, only, he didn't only write Philippians, but he wrote the book of Ephesians, and he, he says something similar in, he, in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. He goes on in 1 Thessalonians 5, and it says, just simple, brethren, pray for us. And we could go on, and we could read other passages of Scripture, but, but Paul was confident that he would be delivered because of the prayers of his people. Not only because of the prayers of his people, but if we keep going, it says, salvation through your prayers and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. He had confidence because of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit works with the Word of God, God's sovereignty, and the prayers of God's people. John 14, 16 and 17 says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. If you were with us last week, I shared very clearly the, the plan of salvation. I shared the gospel, and I part of that, though, it mentioned that the Holy Spirit would come and dwell inside of us. That when, when Jesus Christ was, when, when he left the cross, when, when he said it is finished and the, 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 the veil was tore from the top to the bottom, that that opened up and at that point that the Holy Spirit and God, we, were, we had access to God and he comes and now dwells in us. He is confident because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the believer's sufficient resource for everything he needs. You know, one of the things we, we speak of often, and I've, in the last few months, I've done far too many funerals than, than need to be done. I'll promise you that. This next weekend will be three in a row that we have some form of a memorial or a funeral service that I have been able to, or been able to but been a part of. One of the things that we speak of often, or I speak of often as believers, we share with one another is, is that, 
that God is, is our comforter. He's a healer. He gives us peace. He gives us all of those things. He's the, I, I pray often that God would just wrap his arms around those families and those people that are hurting and that he would heal. Well, here's what that is. The Holy Spirit living within us that is the comforter in us. He is the one that gives us peace. He is the one that gives us joy. He is the one. He fills us. And in our greatest time of need, He fills us. Why? Because He dwells in us. Some of the greatest joy and hope and, and comfort that we can have, and one is the life after that Jesus Christ came and died, and when you know Him, that you can live eternity with Him. But for those that are, that are left behind as those loved ones go on before us, we have a comforter who gives us that comfort. Paul is making reference here that hey, I am confident that I will be delivered. Why? Because the Holy Spirit dwells. The Holy Spirit gives strength. The Holy Spirit will guide. The Holy Spirit will give us that strength when we are weak. Those words when we are speechless. Have you ever been in a state where you just, you just, you want to pray and you don't even know what to say? God's word tells us that he will give us utterance when we don't even know what to say. Have you ever been in a position where maybe you're speaking to somebody and you've left the conversation and you thought, where in the world? I didn't know I knew those verses or where did that come from? I didn't understand. I didn't realize I knew any of those things. Why the God, the Holy Spirit dwelling in you gives us those things. Paul was confident because of that. Not only that, as we look, Paul was confident. We go to verse 20. It says, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Paul was confident because of the promise that Christ had given. There is something to have a confidence in knowing God has a plan for our life. There's times where we don't understand and there's times where we get frustrated, but I'll, I can tell you this. God has a, has a specific plan just for you. Just for me. He's created it just specifically for me. I don't know if that gives you any confidence. I don't know if that gives you any joy. I don't know if that puts a smile on your face, but it should that the God of all this universe, that the God who created, that the God who, who loves, that the God who did all of this has a specific plan just for you. And that God, or that Paul in this moment was saying, God, I am confident that you are going to deliver me because of the prayers of your people, because of your Holy Spirit, but because you have a plan, you have a promise that you've given to me. It's said that he has an earnest expectation. He knew that no matter what was to happen, he wouldn't be put to shame. Whatever situation that Paul was going to be put into, whether it was in front of the government, whether it was in front of people, wherever, whatever it would be, that he would not be shameful of the gospel of Jesus Christ. To my earnest expectation and my hope. 
That is that he expected God to do something. It's really, really quiet in here. He expected God to do something. Let me ask you this. Do you expect God to do anything? I know that I'm a believer. I know that I have glory and I know that I have eternity. Oftentimes, that's the end of our expectation of God. And then we get angry. God, why? Why did you do this and this and this and this and this? But we've never prayed. We've never talked. We've never expected anything. Why? We can't expect if we don't know. My wife has expectations of me. Men, your wives have expectations of you. Ladies, your husbands have expectations of you. I expect certain things of my wife, and that's not because I'm a dictatorial, controlling freak at home. When I say expectations, I don't mean that dishes are going to be clean and food's going to be on the table and the laundry's going to be done. I'm not talking that. But there's certain things that I, I want out of this woman I, ex- I expect. And I know that sounds bad, but there's certain things. Hey, I expect her to love my kids. I expect her to be there when I go to bed at night. She expects that I'm going to provide. She expects that I'm going to be the man that I'm supposed to be. And I've promised her, like, I expect that she's going to be who she's supposed to be that she promised me. I expect things of God sometimes. And then there's others I'm just like, well, I've got glory. I'm going to heaven. What do, you, what do we expect? Would you have the confidence to go, God, I expect, I have an expectation that I will be this, this, and this. I don't, I can speak differently to my wife because I have a relationship with her. And I've gone through this stuff before. There's certain things that I can say to her that I can't say to any other woman in this room. Obvious, Right? Paul basically is saying, because I have expectations, because I know there's a promise, because I'm trusting who God is, because we have a relationship, because he has promised me these things, he has given me hope, he has done all this stuff. God, I expect something from you. When have you prayed last expecting God to do something in your life? Paul expected, he had a hope, he, he longed is what that's, that's saying. According to my longing and my hope, that in nothing shall I be ashamed. I'll, I'll be real honest, and maybe I, I think sometimes I'm more open than I ought to be, but it's just who I am. There's times I've gone out, and I've not wanted somebody to ask me questions about what I do and who I am. Because there's times of shame, I don't really want to answer that question. Maybe I'm the only one in this room that's ever just not wanted to get into a conversation about God. 
but maybe you have t-shirts that you put on and some of them might say Oasis or some of them might have a scripture on them or some of them might and you get up and you grab your shirt and you're like, yeah, I don't want to wear that shirt today because I really don't want somebody to ask me the question of what that is. I've done it. There's been times I've went to the gym and when I grab one of my shirts and I put it on, I'm thinking, oh, it's got oasisbaptistchurch.com.org on the back of it. I don't know that I want that plastered all over me right now. I don't want to have those conversations. If I'm the only one, then God forgive me. But there's been times where there's, an if, whether it's shame or it's whatever, but where I'm not as, as positive as I should be. Paul states that I shall, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body by life or by death. Paul was confident in the plan of God. He didn't even know what the plan was. When Paul came here and he was writing all of these things, he says, he goes through this whole thing that, that he's confident because he's going he's to be delivered because of prayer. He's going to be delivered based on the Holy Spirit. He's going to be, lo- be delivered because there's a promise. He's going to be delivered because of all of these different things. And he has that promise. He has that confidence. He has that hope. And he comes to a place not having any idea what's going to take place. And he, he comes and he says in verse 20, that I will, or that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body. And he says here, by life or by death. Paul answered, or wrote that out. He was confident in the plan that God had for him. Acts 21 13, it says this What mean ye to weep? And to break mine heart, for I am ready to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul wrote it back, he wrote it in Acts. Hey, I'm ready. I'm ready. If that means that, that I'm going to have to be bound and I'm, re- I'm ready to die for the cause of Christ. Second Timothy, he's coming to the end of his life, for I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Paul knew, regardless life or death, that he was going to continue to serve Christ. Point number two this morning, in spite of flesh, and I'll, I'll forewarn you, or give you hope, I guess, that this, the first point was the longest one. I don't know if this is like the recovery of Easter or if this is that bad of a sermon this morning, but uh, this is a quiet, quiet place. So, yep. In spite of flesh. <laughs> In spite of the flesh. And what that's talking about there is, as we continue to go on, he says in verse 21, For to me... To live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I what not. And what he is saying there is if I live in the flesh, and if you go throughout Scripture, a lot of Scripture, it speaks of the flesh as sin. Here it's just talking flesh, literally your physical body. He is making reference that if, hey, if I, if I am to uh, live in the flesh, if I am to live in this body, this is the fruit of my labor. 
Part of the spiritual greatness was that Paul knew Christ in an intimate way and longed to be with him. It was also that he was totally committed to the advancement of the kingdom. He longed to be with God, but God hadn't called him home yet. He was to stay in the flesh. He was to be fruitful in labor. When the word of truth is faithfully proclaimed, it will bear fruit. Paul, though not out to seek good works, but to honor the Lord, was able to bear fruit, as many of you who sit in here today have seen fruit and are able to bear fruit. The Spirit gives us strength that produces fruit that is to, to stay, that is beyond anything that we can ever do. Ephesians 2 says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Paul, at this point in his life, again, yet being, un- though he was unsure of his life, he knew one thing to be true. God, if you allow me to live this life, if you allow me to continue doing what you've called me to do, I am going to do it to the best of my ability to serve you to the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But yet, God, if you call me home, hey, that's for my gain too. Have you ever been at that place? Man, here, let me, let me tell you what we should do. Hey, if you're a believer, you should long to be with Christ. You should be longing. You should have an expected wait. God, I can't wait to get to you. I'm ready to go at any point and at any time. I am ready to go. We should live our lives expecting and excited to go be with Christ. Here, let me, maybe we'll get a little bit of something out of you here. What is to come? What do you have to wait for? Here's what we have to wait for. You ready? You, are you ready? Here's what we have to wait for. There's, see, we worship God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to treat like we're in Sunday school. We worship God, right? God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. This God that we worship, that we can't see, that no eye has seen, Right? We've talked about that in the last couple of weeks. Here's what you get. There's a day you're going to get to heaven, and we're going to see him. Wow. You guys are like, uh, uh, uh. no, but we get that. I get, he was, I'm excited to see Christ. I don't really know what that's going to look like. I don't know how that's going to be. The song that Mercy Me made popular, I can only imagine. Will I dance for you? Will I sing? What will we do? All of those things we can, we can ponder and question. Here's what I think we're going to do. Can I tell you? I'm going to fall on my face before God, and I'm going to bow at his feet, and I'm going to worship him. That's what's going to happen. Paul was ready. He was longing for that. But he said this, if I have to be here, God, in the flesh... God, if that's what you have for me, if, God, you're going to leave me here for 10 years, 5 years, 6 months, 6 minutes, I am going to give everything that I have to you. There will be fruit from my labor being here on this earth. Hey, that is each and every one of our call in life right there. 
We should long and we should be excited. Paul, was he said it. I am in a betwixt. I don't know if any of you ever used that word betwixt. I have never used that word. But he says, I am, I'm in between two different things here. God, I want so badly to come see you, but I so badly want to continue to serve these people that I love. I don't, I'm torn. God, where do you want me? I am so torn. And that's kind of where Paul was. I can imagine there's part of him. He said, I've been in prison so many years and so many days of my life. I just want to go on. I'm sick of these places. Here's what's exciting. God let him go. Here's what's more exciting. He went back. (laughs) But what did Paul say? He said, whether I live or whether I die, it's for you. Hey, that's the call on every one of our lives. For we know that if our earthly house or of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in heaven, is what 2 Corinthians 5 says. When we as believers pass, it is simply breaking our temporary earthly camp or our temporary earthly home and moving on to eternity. We all should desire to be with him. We all should be longing. But Paul makes that reference. However, to remain in the flesh is, he said, it's better for the church. It's better for you. As as long as there is work to be done, I want to be here serving the Lord. Again, I stated, I, I almost feel like he kind of was going back and forth. He had this conflict this battle back and forth hey i want to go home i'm i'm kind of angry that i'm not going home but but yet i i love you i long to be here with you i feel that you still need me i feel that you still need my encouragement is what it says that he he would he needs the to further the furtherance of of joy and faith and that encouragement that confidence that that continuance that needed to be there and the last point this morning is this, in spite of their conduct. See, as, as we go, and as we read through this, and we understand that Paul was going through it. He was encouraging the church, regardless of what takes place. And he goes through all of these things. And he gets to this point and he says in verse 27, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. And when I put that in spite of their conduct, is this. In spite of any people outside of my world, so to speak, I have to do certain things. In spite of your conduct... I still have to live my life. I still have to be, according to verse number 27, is this, that my conversation, that my conduct would be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When I get to heaven, I am going to be accountable for the Oasis Baptist Church and how I led and managed Oasis Baptist Church. But here's what I'm not going to be held accountable for. God's not going to look at me and say, well, Aaron, see, there was this person and this person and this person. They all said these things. 
and you did this. He's not going to ask me about you. I'm not going to be held accountable for your circumstance. The church as a whole, I'm going to be held accountable for that as the leader of Oasis Baptist Church. I'm going to be held accountable for my family. But I have to conduct myself according to the gospel of Jesus Christ, regardless of how you conduct yourself and how you treat me. We follow that? You have to conduct yourself. And Paul just basically, he's kind of wrapping this whole thing up, and, and he goes through and he's sharing from really the beginning of, from chapter, verse number one, all the way up to this point, and he says, however... Let your conversation, let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. As much as he loved the church at Philippi, he was warning them and exhorting them to live the life. We have to live the life. There are going to be things where we don't like it. There's going to be things that we're unsure of. There's going to be circumstances that we don't care for. However, my conduct must be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not because I'm the pastor of Oasis Baptist Church, because I'm a believer and I'm a follower of Christ. Your conduct must be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ in everything that we do. Did Paul have a reason to be angry? Yes. Could Paul have went to that prison and cussed out every one of those guys and looked at the rulers and looked at the kings and looked at everybody who grabbed him and threw him in jail? Absolutely. He had every right to be angry. Did Christ have every right to be angry? Absolutely. Christ was beaten. He was spit upon. I don't know if any of you have ever been spat upon. I've not. But that may draw the line for me. If some other man just looked at me and spit right in my face. And I'm not good with disrespect. Especially when it's like children and teenagers and all of that thing. I don't like being disrespected. None of us, I don't think any of us like to. That's like the epitome of disrespect. Just looking at you. (laughs) Christ took all that. Could Christ have just done this and they all just fell away? Yep. But what did he do? He conducted himself in spite of others' conduct according to what? He was worthy of the gospel of Christ. He was there for what one purpose? What was it? To honor and glorify his father. If Jesus would have sat down there and and, and each one of those guys that would have hit him and and beaten him and to the point where he could not even, wasn't recognizable as a man, he could have just got up and said, bloop, I've had enough of you idiots. I'm done. He had the power. No, what did he do? He was here for a reason. For the honor and glory of his father. Paul is, is in, encouraging. He's exhorting the church. He said, hey, regardless of what's going on, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. I'm going to fly through a few verses because it just rams home this point that I just want you to know One, 
I try very hard to make sure that all of my scripture references are, are balanced and, and, and counterbalanced from other things. But I want you to know, I'm going to look through here how many times Paul encouraged the church to be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now, I didn't get every one of them, but Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 1, it says, A man are worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Colossians 1 and verse 10, In a manner worthy of the Lord to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. 1 Thessalonians 2, A manner worthy of God who calls you into His own kingdom and glory. Titus chapter 2, Showing all good faith so that believers will adorn the doctrine of God, their Savior in every respect. 2 Peter 3 verse 11, Demonstrating holy conduct and godliness being diligent to be found by Him in peace, spotless and blameless. Those aren't all of the things in Scripture that speak of being a, having a worthy calling and living our lives worthy to the Lord. But Paul references being worthy and being called and living our lives blameless before Him many, many times. And I'm going to wrap up with this. Let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. How? It doesn't just tell us to do it, but it tells us how to do it. He says, whether I come and see you or else I be absent, I may hear of your affairs. And here's how. That we would stand firm. That we would stand firm. We would stand firm on the doctrines, on the gospel, on the the word of God. That we would not be movable by every wind of doctrine. And he was encouraging them, stand firm. Be strong. Be strong. We should be steadfast. We should be immovable. We have to be grounded in God's word to be able to conduct ourselves in the manner in which he desires. We have to stand for Christ and stand against Satan. We have to be strong in standing for Christ. We often I think we just look at the day and age in which we live. There's a fight over the Indiana law that's being passed. Why? So that you and I can have religious freedom. That's what our country was founded on, was religious freedom. But yet we're fighting over it. That a company has to go against their religious beliefs to serve somebody else. Hey, guess what? We have to stand firm. Standing firm doesn't mean that we don't love. Standing firm doesn't mean that we hate. Standing firm doesn't mean any of those things. But here's the reality of it. You can know exactly where I stand and you can also know that I love you. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. There wasn't any time where people did not know where Jesus stood. Did he hang out with sinners? Yes, he did. Did they know where he stood? Absolutely. We have to stand firm. It says that we would stand firm or stand fast in one spirit. One spirit and one mind. We as believers need to be united. Let me just tell you this. If we were to go into Ephesians, we are all in the middle of a what? 
Put on the armor of God. What do you need armor for? To go into battle. If all of us are on the same team, but this group doesn't like this group, and this group doesn't like that group, and that group doesn't like that group, and that group doesn't like that group, what kind of battle do we face? This group wants to kill these people, and these people want to kill these people, and these people want to kill these people, and these people want to kill these people. I don't know, whatever I just said. But yet we're supposed to be in battle with those out there. Who are we fighting? We're fighting right here. Be in one spirit of one accord. Hey, how, how are we going to live a conversation? How are we going to conduct ourselves in a right manner moving forward with the gospel of Jesus Christ? As a church, we are to be united. The gates of hell cannot prevail against us. How does a church fall? A church falls from inside. You have a problem with you, and you have a problem with you, and you don't like the pastor, and you don't like this, and they shouldn't have done that, and they shouldn't have done this, and now all of you just kind of... Guess what happens to the church? See you later, hasta la vista. That's what happens. Why do we have church splits? Johnny doesn't like Joe. Over what? Carpet. Didn't wear a tie, wore a tie. Somebody had jeans on stage. You have drums. Not doctrine. You didn't like how they led, so you got angry. And you told somebody else that you don't like how they lead. Hence the reason, 8,000 Baptist denominations. And all of which have the same core doctrine but fight amongst each other. What does that tell them out there? Right? One spirit. How do we go into battle when we're not in one spirit? We can't. We can't. You lose. If I don't have your back and you don't have my back, I'm probably out for me, not for you. One spirit, one mind. Then the next thing is striving together as we unify we are able to then strive together literally it's talking here literally of competition that we will compete with one another moving forward i love sports i've spoken of sports often there's nothing worse than having a fight inside of the locker room which divides you which therefore you lose your games i'm not giving him the ball because he's not my friend there's nothing worse than that You can't compete that way. He says here that you will do these things. Your conduct will be of the gospel of Christ as you stand firm, as you do so with one accord, that you then can strive together for the faith of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Understanding as we continue to go that there will be, if we go to verse 29, for unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Here's the reality of it, and here's why we have to be together in one accord, striving together, because there's going to be a time when you suffer. And when you suffer, you find out who people are. And if you're not together, You're not together and you can't strive and you can't fight and you can't do the things that we are called to do. We cannot do that. That's not the church. 
That's the, that's Christianity. That's the church and the world. Guess what? I've said it before. I'm not here to fight with other churches. I want to serve the Lord. And if I don't like that they do this style of worship, if God's called them to that, then God's called them to that. I'm not the deciding bearer of what is right on stage and what's not right on stage. I want people to be coming. I want people to go to church. I want people to fall in love with God. That should be our mindset is that we strive together as the body of Christ. Church this morning, there's a lot of things that can be taken. In all reality, I probably could have made that week, this sermon, two or three weeks. I pretty much had one sermon in itself just in the first point. But let me ask you this morning. As we go through all of these different things, are you living your life? Are you confident in who God is? Are you striving to do the things that God's called you to do? Are we understanding that, that we, man, I have a longing to see Christ, but while I'm here, I have been given a call. And my call is to, to live according to the gospel of Jesus Christ and that my conduct would be as such. Is that how I'm living? Is the, are the things that I say worthy of the gospel of Christ? Are the things that I watch worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Maybe you sit here this morning and you would just simply say, I don't quite grasp any of this. All of this makes sense. I see some of these things, but I've never accepted Christ as my Savior. I don't know Him in my heart. I want that. Believer, I don't know where you stand this morning. But in spite of, in spite of so many things, Paul taught and Paul wrote, hey, regardless if I live or die, God's word's going to go forth. Hey, regardless, in spite of all of these different things, in spite of me being in the flesh and of me living here, I am going to, to present and share and love Christ. And regardless of what they do to me, my conduct will be that of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can you stand here this morning? Can you sit there this morning and say, my conduct is of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who I am where I stand, what I say, what I do, my conversation amongst other believers, how I feel amongst and about people that sit in this room, people that are believers outside of this room. I don't know where you sit this morning. But if I asked you that question, where are you in spite of all of these other things? How could you answer that? If the gospel of Jesus Christ was your number one purpose, what would change in your life today? In spite of everything else. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Again, I don't know each person that sits here. I don't know each pain. I don't know each decision that's been made.